0: Betrayal to Break You. I'm Dr. Debbie Silber and today's guest is Ada Pia Derrico. Ada Pia is a visionary leader with 20 plus years of experience across countries, cultures, and both corporate and startup environments. She's co-founded businesses, launched brands, and redefined industries. She's a respected uh, fintech entrepreneur, executive, and evangelist who brought real estate crowdfunding mainstream. Today's topic is when your betrayal goes viral. Yikes. What do you do when 40 million people watch and then criticize your actions? Would you be able to take the amount of criticism and judgment you're about to meet Ada Pia Derrico? And you're going to love this story about speaking your truth, overcoming your fears, bouncing back, and so much more. Here's Ada Pia. Okay, everybody. I have Adapia Dorico with us today. This is going to be such an interesting story. You know, we always talk about betrayal of a family member, partner, friend, coworker, self. But what happens when your betrayal goes viral? <laughs> That's <laughs> what we're talking about today. So,
1: welcome, Adapia. Thanks, Debbie. It's such an honor to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, Thanks so much.
0: So I know everybody just leaned in and they're like, what do you mean when your betrayal goes viral? (laughs) You have such an interesting story. Can you share it with us?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So it all it all starts, let's say, when um, back in 2018, I got on stage in a 1,400 person theater in Los Angeles, California, and in a keynote, I told the story about leaving my first marriage. And the story wasn't, "Hey, this is my marriage, Here's all my dirty laundry. I'm leaving it." The story was really about the way that for nearly a decade, I had lived this picture-perfect life. In um, trying to please others, trying to be what I thought they wanted me to be. I married young. There was a lot of things going on. But regardless, I didn't listen to my heart. I didn't listen to my intuition when even from the earliest days, I should have said no, or at least wait, I'm not ready yet, you know, what have you. So I myself in a situation of being kind of stuck and trying to make it work and i tried to make it work for nine years and then eventually what happened is i just got like a lightning strike to the soul and and i realized in this like moment just this this brutal moment of awakening like i can't be in this life anymore and there's all these lessons that come around honoring ourselves and really learning this so i got on stage and i told this story beautiful story, safe space. Um, you know, this audience knew what the whole thing was about. And then, um, and then about six months later, Goalcast, the, the company that makes motivational videos, they found the, they found the video and they made a version and in, in their, um, in the way that they do with this beautiful imagery and music and just, you know, it was amazing. I was so honored. So the video comes out and, I was immediately just from the very first comment <laughs> was just being attacked. And the video ended up at, it's over 40 million views today. Wow. One of their like out the gate, best videos ever. Um, just an amazing response, 250,000 shares on Facebook, just a hundred thousand comments. But what happens is, is that in a way that the trolls got it first. Oh. And um, I, for about three months, went into such a dark place because I was getting death threats. I was getting messages on every platform, my website, just, you can imagine, you can't even imagine. I mean, you can, maybe you can. And, and they were
0: so angry at me. Well, and that's the thing. And I want to find out what happened, but what was it about what was said Yeah. And, and people, they just, it's so interesting. And we were sharing, but before I started recording how I did two TEDx's and I don't even read the comments anymore because people say such horrible things and, and just criticizing the way I look or what I was wearing, or at least criticize the content. (laughs) Right, That would make sense. But what was it about the video that had them so upset or feeling like they need to express their feelings? What was, what was going on?
1: Yeah. And it was definitely the content. So I basically got up on stage and I said, my husband was a great guy. I didn't marry him for love. And then I left. That was essentially what a lot of people took away. And that made me in their eyes, a villain, because I didn't have a good enough reason like I wasn't abused, I wasn't, like there weren't any of the reasons that maybe historically or traditionally we think a woman needs to leave a marriage.
0: You know, and I, and I find that so interesting because I personally look at it and say, if you're, if you wake up to whatever point that you realize this is not the fit, you're not in love, you you don't yeah. resonate with one another, you're not doing either of you a favor by sticking around. I, I think it's, it's actually admirable. So I, I don't even understand.
1: Yeah. Thank you. And that's just it is that is a, that is a, um, a perspective that comes from understanding that people grow apart. They might not be a good fit to begin with. There's other factors at play. And like what you've given talks, when you get on stage and you give a talk, you're telling a story. There's a narrative you're compressing information. I'm compressing nine years into 20 minutes and not making it about blame. But interestingly, what I came to learn from all of this and where I landed was that because I didn't place blame on him, people who are maybe not as aware as you, or they're very stuck in these traditional patterns of thinking of what marriage is and promises and all this kind of stuff that really keeps people miserable. If we want to really get down to it. Like I was anorexic. I had body dysmorphia. Like I tried to make myself disappear. Like I had control issues and all of this was literally eating away at me from the inside. And, and, and there's just this misunderstanding that if we make a choice for ourselves, we're selfish but it, it was really like the right thing to do because one of the two of us had to say it because we were both in a way miserable. And in reality, he's the one that said, no, I don't want to work on it anymore. But that's mm-hmm. not what I got on stage to say. That wasn't the point. But if people don't hear the, the good enough reason that matches their expectation then they'll lash out because there's got to be something inside of them that's unhealed or that's broken or that's hurt or that feels betrayed. So that projection came on me in a massive way.
0: Judgment. Wow. That's just so, okay. So here you are thinking, I'm just going to share my story and it's just going to help whoever needs to, to hear, to hear that story. And even before I want to just go back even a little bit further before we go forward, when you were in that, in the marriage and you Because there are certain, you know, we're, we're, this is from betrayal to breakthrough. And there are so many people in a marriage and they know it's not in their best interest to stay. Some of them, it's a completely uh, new opportunity based on who they both become because of it. But in others, it's not the case. What was it like? Did you, did you, did you start feeling differently? Did you start realizing uh, this is not a fit? I mean, what was, what was going on there that made you say, no, this isn't, this isn't for me.
1: Yeah. And, you know, it took me months and months. I actually like wrote it out. I have like a whole book written that is unpublished because it was the process that I was going through is, um, it was, I thought that I thought that this, this lack of like the passion that we, that we want, or that we think, or that, that I could make it work without that because we were such great friends. And I thought that initially that would be enough. And then there was also a lot of pressure and fear. I had moved to Italy to, to live with him. And, um, you know, he, he asked me to marry him like a month after I moved there, which was too soon. I'm 22. It was too soon. I am scared of like, where am I going to go if I say no? Like, are you even allowed to say no? I come from an Italian family. I thought that I couldn't say no because... Clearly my dad had given permission, like all this cultural stuff. And so this is also like early two thousands. And I know maybe for like a, like a, like an audience that's like my age, like our age, like, they're just like, yeah, I get it. Like you weren't allowed to say mm-hmm, no, mm-hmm. but for a younger audience, they're like, what do you mean? You can you know? but I was in that space. So that was the initial starting point where there was a lot of things around my insecurity and also like my, my wanting to be there and explore, but I didn't think I could say no. And so from that point forward, I just kept trying to make it work. There wasn't the passion there. And I kept thinking there's plenty of marriages that are without passion, but they're still okay. And maybe I can make it work, but I so just, you're like
0: justifying it. Now you're, you're trying totally, to come up
1: with, okay. Totally trying. And and he's a good person. And so I'm shaming myself and there were like so compatible in so many other ways, but not physically mm-hmm. and also not emotionally as I saw over time. Uh, but it took me years to, it took almost until the end to realize we we're replaying the same patterns that my parents had, which were not communicating. There's like so much going on. And I realized like, this is not okay. And then my intuitive body, my intuitive nature was just screaming at me, but I didn't understand that I didn't have a connection to my intuitive nature. And so when my body went into menopause at the age of 24, so that I couldn't have kids because one of the big um, factors that was at play that was unconscious was I was being pressured to have kids. And I had said day one, I'm never having kids. It's just not it's not Mm -hmm. for me, Mm -hmm. but that is completely unacceptable in the Italian culture. And I was being pressured and pressured and pressured and pressured all the time. So in a way, psychosomatically, my body was just like, I'm going to take take care care of it for you. (laughs) you. Wow. Okay. Oh,
0: that's so interesting. So, okay. So you, your body was telling you, no, we know it's in your best interest. And so we'll do it for you. Uh, we're going to give you every sign, letting you know that this is not a fit for you. And even though you're, you know, culturally it's, It's going against everything that you've been raised to believe. So then it was probably a big, scary statement to say, I don't want to be in this marriage anymore.
1: Oh, it was, uh, it was so hard. Like it's, I can still feel like the nervousness because it meant leaving everything I had built for nine years. And it meant the the thing that made it the hardest wasn't even about me. It was about how many people I was going to hurt and we didn't have kids. So. And I think if I, if we had had kids, I'd still be in it to be perfectly honest, I'd probably Mm -hmm. still be in it. Um, And and what kept me there a little bit was also like our dog. I mean, it's so funny how like I rationalized so many things for years in us in one way. And also just, I didn't want to disappoint anyone. And I thought my, I literally thought my dad was going to kill me. I thought he would not be okay with this. I was going to hurt. To dozens of people of this life that I had built there people I loved so much and and I and I still loved my husband but just not in the way that we deserved either of us or both of us and so yeah it still comes up to think about you know it's so interesting
0: this is so common where we just do things that don't feel good that don't feel right that are not in our best interest or what what just feels right for us at the time, because of other people.
1: Yeah. So then yeah.
0: who's, who's running our lives, right? And it's when we realize, wait a second, this is, this is my life. I'm not trying to hurt anybody. But I'm, I'm also trying to create the life that's meant for me and the and, and the unique path that I'm meant to travel. So okay, so so bring us up to speed. So you, you let your husband know this isn't a fit. And ha- what happened after that?
1: Yeah, so basically like I was able to well first of all I I really got broken down like I call it like a lightning strike to the soul because it was this massive breakdown where I felt my whole self implode and clarity come through and um the day after this this happened on and I realized what it was. I realized it was the kids thing. I mean at that point I was 32. Um so I realized it was uh, 31. It was it was the kids and so we would, we would go on these walks on Sunday and I, and it took me so long. I just remember I was walking and walking and walking. I had to build up the courage. And I said, I can't have kids. I, I will not, I can't have kids. I can't do it. I won't do it. And he said, well, that's a deal breaker. And that was pretty much it. Um, that was pretty much it.
0: <laughs> you know, yeah. we'd
1: like talked about it a little more, but there was nothing more to say. It was this elephant in the room and it had been there for years. Yeah. And 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 so that's why I couldn't tell a story about blaming anyone. There's no blame, there's no victim, there's no villain. There's human beings that were both trying their best and everyone around them and not wanting to hurt and and but we were, so anyway, that that's what happened. And, and I can
0: see that this is something that maybe he thought over time I'll wear her down. I'll oh. get her to change her mind. Oh yeah. And and, and I've seen this in, in so many different, from so many different angles, I'll never forget a million years ago when I started my business. And there was a woman who, uh, and I remember, I remember every visit we had, here she was, she was young. She desperately wanted kids. He clearly said from the very beginning that he did not. And she was spending years and years trying to get him to change his mind. And, and now from her perspective, she's not getting any younger. She has a certain window of, you know, where she's able to get pregnant. And she just kept thinking, well, I'll, I'll get him to change his mind. And it just seemed like, how is that going to work? Because even if he does, Mm -hmm. it's because he feels pressured or it's not what he originally wanted to do. So it's such a, I mean, you could really see how, when one wants kids and the other doesn't, uh, wow, that's. That is a deal. That could be a deal breaker for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I could feel a level of resentment that, that was due to this pressure. I hate being pressured. I hate being told what to do, especially if I've made it pretty clear that this is, this is what it's going to be, but you know, in a marriage, in an ecosystem of a marriage, it's, you, you can't, it's not just about what you want. And so all the narratives that we run in our head, but at a certain point, Um, at a certain point, at least for me, that was, it was a breaking point. It was a very strong breaking point. And, um, and we, and we, it was amicable because we were not blaming each other about it. We were both really hurt. Um, I actually left three weeks later. I went back to Canada because the, 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 the crux of it too, was that I was so worried about telling my dad. Mm -hmm. And when I, when I told him, he said, Adapia, just come home you're unhappy. You've never been happy mm-hmm. and your happiness matters. So you need to come home, which-, which was probably right. Exactly what you wanted to hear, what you were. So we so afraid you wouldn't hear exactly. And it, it wasn't what I expected. Cause I was almost, I almost thought like, are you? you're not my father. Like, this is not the person, you know? And so the stories that we build up about others and, and I, and I did, I went home um, and then, you know, about a year, a year or so later, I met um, the love of my life and I'm married to him and we've been together now um, almost nine years. Mm -hmm. And that is the love and the passion that, that I was wanting and seeking. So when I made the statement on stage, I didn't marry for love it's not that I didn't love him. It's that this was the love I was that I had in my heart, in my mind that, that I wanted. And my heart knew at the time, this wasn't, you know, this right. is a defining moment. You're going to say yes, or you're going to say no, it's going to turn two different outcomes. And I don't regret any of it. Right. But it, it is about, you know, when we talk about betrayal, so much of it for me is like, am I betraying myself? And that's a primary, um, a query for me in everything that I do is, you know, if, if I feel pressured around, like, you know, performance of some kind, like, Oh, I want this person to, uh, see me in a certain way, mm-hmm. but it's not aligned with who I truly am. I'm, I'm betraying myself and I betrayed my heart for years. And I refuse yeah. to, I refuse to betray my heart anymore. I'm very connected to it now. And I make decisions from, from the heart space and it's never been wrong. Absolutely.
0: Terrific. So then, okay. So now let's go back to the talk. Yeah. You, you deliver the talk and you're like, I, wow. Okay. I just shared my message to all those people. Yeah. What did it feel like when you started getting uh, that kind of response? And tell us, tell us what happened.
1: Uh, on stage, I got a standing ovation and it was, you know, it was so healing. It was incredible. Um, really incredible. Um, moving when the video came out and I started getting all this, like basically hate mail from everywhere um, it traumatized me and it, it was a moment or period of time of great growth for me through, a, through darkness, because everything that everyone was saying about how horrible I was, how selfish and worse, um, so much worse are, are all things I had said to myself. Mm. And in the process, cause as I was processing this darkness and this, you know, what I would consider like the, the broken human heart, mm-hmm. I had a lot of compassion for the people that were attacking me because it, it wasn't really about me, but I did take it personally. Mm-hmm. And once, once I started absorbing it, it was, it, it was so much that I didn't, I actually didn't know how to set an energetic boundary anymore. Cause I, I, it just was like a tidal wave. And so I I thought I would never speak again. I thought I would never write again. I had a blog, I had a podcast. I was like, I'm not, I can't anything that I say, there's going to be somebody that's going to have, that's going to take issue with it. And that's Mm -hmm. the truth. Mm -hmm. And I had to learn the lesson around Honor yourself (laughs) is you, you you have to honor myself and and keep saying what I need to say, irrespective of whether somebody's going to continue to attack me because that's their issue,
0: right? And and it always, you know, it's never just one thing. The mind and body are so exquisitely connected. So, here you were getting bombarded. How did it show itself mentally, emotionally? Oh, my goodness, physically, Um,
1: yeah. Um, so. It, it completely overtook me. Mm-hmm. I, sh- I shut down. I, I absolutely shut down. And I went in probably like close to depression. I remember just having days where I would just cry and cry and cry and cry. And, uh, and I reached out to people and that was really helpful because I heard from people in my, in my network that they were like, Oh, I got attacked all the time. And then that started to just was like, hold on a second. Who attacked you, first of all, because <laughs> then that that part of me just started to come forward. And then I started to piece together that, that it that it really wasn't about me and that it happens all the time and that it's not okay. But it was this initial outreach to, to a network of people because I'm so supported. And I had to learn to ask for help, which is one of my biggest lessons in life, period, still today, all the time is asking for help, accepting support. And over time I started to come out of it, but the, the healing moment was about six months later, I rewatched goal cast video and I hadn't watched it since the first time I watched it. Cause I was too afraid. Just the thought of it would make it make my whole body clench. My mm-hmm. heart would clench. My energy centers would clench. I just couldn't like head in the sand, ostrich head mm-hmm. in the sand. Mm-hmm. And I rewatched it. And it was like the most, it was nerve wracking when I hit play and my, my, I'm shaking and I'm watching this video and then it ends. And I thought, I, I didn't do anything wrong. And in that moment, a very powerful, sublime, subtle moment, I forgave myself Yeah. and it was over. Yeah. Beautiful. And, and, you
0: know, a few things that you said, first of all, it's like, I have one of my mentors said until you get the hate messages you're not on the map <laughs> so it's, it's almost yeah. like that's a sign of okay you, you're 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 making an impact and clearly when you make an impact it's not going to resonate with everybody yeah. and and i know in the world of betrayal i can say something and someone i mean they will just come after me because that's not their perspective or how they'd handle it and right. and that's okay the message is for the people who need right. the, the message that i'm trying to share. Right. so that's that's one thing and then the support That is so crucial. And you know what's so beautiful about that? That you reached out for support and it was just something that you knew would help you. And we find uh, in the betrayal community at a time where we need it the most, we're the least likely to seek it because there's so much shame, so much embarrassment. And meanwhile, here we are struggling and suffering in silence. But when you get that support, you realize you're not crazy. You're not alone. And you have... Uh, you feel held and that is just absolutely crucial yeah. to healing. And I'm sure that's why you started healing the way you did. Mm-hmm. So so then you saw the video, it was scary, but you saw it, you realized I'm good and, <laughs> and you forgave yourself. What did that lead to? What happened after that?
1: After that, I recommitted to the speaking, to, um, to what I guess you could term transformational speaking and I had really deep conversations with Goldcast because they felt bad. They had never had that kind of initial out the gate response to what they thought was one of their most powerful videos ever. And they actually showed me the statistics and they said, a thousand to one, the statistics are positive. Mm-hmm. And I realized, oh, I've been focusing on the wrong thing. But it also was this emotional journey that I had to go through through to clear. So I recommitted to speaking I wrote a book, um, and, and the book really is about honoring ourselves and finding inner authority and everything that I've learned, um, about it. And I just, I recommitted to myself and, um, and I just found a different level of strength. And interestingly, Goldcast will every once in a while, they will reissue videos. Um, and, and they did a while later and I didn't get a single negative comment.
0: Wow, it's almost it like, out.
1: <laughs> yeah, you, you needed to go through that to, to
0: work through whatever you needed to. And now lesson learned, you don't need to go through it again. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's so interesting too, what you said about the thousand, we can get a thousand positive comments. And then there's that one negative one. And what which one yeah. do we focus on? I know when I've spoken a bunch of times, they'll it'll be those reviews that they just hand out right there to see, you know, they want to get a sense of how that speaker was. And then, and I always want to know, because mm-hmm. they're like, change or do better or whatever, and sure yeah. enough, you know, could be like, "Oh, great job, this that." And then there's that one person who's like, "Oh, she spoke too fast, or she whatever." <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you you yeah. know, and why is it that we focus on that one and that's that negativity bias, you know? Yeah. So, what's there's so much that that I'm sure was was meant to be done for you, yes. like the lessons that you learned from going. Through a painful experience, and that's yeah. one of the very reasons why some people are so unwilling to put themselves out there in the first place, for that exact reason. What you experienced, yeah. So, so you move through it, and you said, okay, what? However, this message is going to be received. It's my message to share. Yeah. What did it? What did it lead to? I mean, how how do you feel now when you're presenting? When you're sharing a message?
1: Um. So it really led to just a lot of the self-doubt and like extra like leftover shame and different things to, to, to work through. And it left, it left space and centeredness so that no matter what I do, because professionally I work in the investment industry, but this was a part of me that wanted to give back. I felt compelled to tell the story and, and I, there's not a rational linear reason for it. It's just my way of giving back as well. And I find that what I learned was that telling my story healed me And it healed others because I also received hundreds of messages saying, thank you messages from women in every country in the world Mm -hmm. saying, I thought I was the only one who felt this way. I'm in so much shame. I'm in the same situation. Thank you for speaking your truth. And I, and that was another big, massive realization of where, where am I placing my focus? Is it on the negative Nancy's or is it on some hope and some courage that I've, that, that whatever it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's not even my story anymore. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so now when I go out, it's really this level. And people tell me all the time that my vulnerability is so authentic that it inspires them. It like cracks their ego because they're like, how does this woman show up? and speak the way she does and 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 it opens them yeah and i and i don't know what it is i think it's beautiful
0: well vulnerability is strength because it's it's so much easier to show up as that speaker who seems so polished and so perfect and i have it all together but when i see a speaker like that i don't trust i mean my my trust you know meters go crazy because it's mm-hmm. no one's that perfect. Show me how you screwed up. Show me how you <laughs> got there. Then yeah. then I believe you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Was there any process or or things that you did? Because as we move through, uh, you know, our trauma to transformation, you know, we kind of create yeah. our own recipe of what works. Some people meditate, some journal, yeah. some, you know, d- d- use uh, like the chakras, whatever. What is, what was it for you? Was there one thing you did or many things i know support was a big one was there yeah,
1: anything support. else so um a lot of things so you know everything ranging from energy work to emotional release to subconscious reprogramming with something called psych k mm-hmm. um you've probably heard about it you know uh, i would love you to explain that to the, to the audience Oh, okay. So, um, psych K is a method, um, that's facilitated that takes you, basically it puts your brain into a whole brain state. It merges the left and the right, and you reprogram a negative belief. You rewrite it as something positive and through these very simple, and and you can see me. So people watching, like you put your hands together and you cross your legs in a certain way, it's facilitated. It's, it's fascinating. But you take a limiting belief and you rewrite it to be empowering and you go through this very quick, um, using your body, you, you, you put yourself in like a body lock and you repeat this new statement. And because the body locks actually tell your brain to work in a holistic manner is my understanding of the science of it. You, you have, um, you have these really interesting experiences inside and you feel a shift, and you've reprogrammed your unconscious subconscious and it's all in in the body we just don't know how to use the body so it's this it's this like mind body method and it's extremely powerful it's a, it's an amazing method that's what psychea is yeah
0: the body knows body's brilliant you mentioned other energy work was there something specific there
1: Um, So I would do, I do a lot of meditating, um, you know, just any kind of visualization around centering practices, but the most powerful, which is still energy work was um, story as a healing modality, which is something I actually uh, personally work with now. And and I offer as, as a masterclass, because when I started going through preparing the speech, I had to go back into my story. I had to go back into what I call a defining moment Mm -hmm. and I had to relive it. And, and, and so there is a method that I developed over time. And that's where I wrote the, like a hundred thousand words of a book that I might not ever publish. That wasn't, that really might not be it, but by going back, I excavated all of it and I was able to see myself more clearly. So it's like a form of, of um, story is a healing modality writing and you don't have to be a writer to do it. I am. I love to write. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but we extract the gift. We mm-hmm. extract the lesson. We extract the power that is held hostage by one view of what happened in the past, which science even shows us that memory is fallible that and, and in any case what happened at that time the way you remember it that one time isn't necessarily the way it really happened. And when you get to go back into it you realize that you're healing yourself. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a different way of reprogramming. So that's my main method.
0: Yeah, that's wonderful. And, and there's actually, is, there's a powerful process that we do in our community. It's called the coherent narrative. And uh, it, it's legitimate. I mean, it, it really is so powerful because it has you take what had become your life story and turn it into a pivotal chapter of your story. And I believe, because I remember um, learning about this when I was doing my own study and Pennebaker I think was mm. the name. If you look up Pennebaker, that's who, that was the the researcher who did the studies around how powerful story is and what it could oh, do for reason. you. Yeah, I oh. don't know the first name, but I remember Pennebaker was the last name. Um, absolutely. So is there anything you want to make sure uh, all the listeners and, and viewers know before we wrap it up?
1: Oh, I, I really want them to know that no matter what life gives them, that it's, it's, you can overcome anything, any challenge. It's meant to be transmuted into strength. That's what it is. And I have been through numerous challenges. That's my path. And then I tell the story of this is, this is one story, but if I can do it and I'm really not that special, right? I'm not, I'm not a guru. I'm not enlightened, but if I can do it, anyone can make it through. We're not given anything that we can't handle and, and on the other side of it is our growth. And that's what I really want people to know for themselves. If they can take away anything, it's that they could just, you can do it and trust yourself. And if you can like trust yourself as in trust your heart and trust, trust what, what it's telling you, because that's your power right there.
0: Terrific. Beautiful. And where do we go to learn more about you and the beautiful work you do?
1: Oh yeah. So thank you. So, um, you can find more about me at adapia.com. That's my website. And then you'll see on there, some of my projects, including the book productive intuition. And then this masterclass called writing the self and it, and it's, and it's all there. Um, so the, you know, and my name is pretty easy to find. So I'm always willing to connect with people. Just, you just write in at a P and I will pop up all the handles are mine. So, um, if people want to connect, I'm more than happy to. Oh,
0: beautiful. Well, I want to thank you so much for everybody who has their story or who's staying in a relationship and they know it's not in their best interest. It's not good for their, their soul, their heart, whatever. Uh, You definitely shared lots of insight and wisdom today. So I want to thank you for that.
1: Thanks so much, Debbie.
0: It's so interesting how the judgment fear of criticism from others can have us denying our truth and betraying ourselves. In Ada Pia's case, staying in an unhappy marriage because she was so afraid of disappointing her family, then stopping her writing and speaking because of fear she'd be judged so harshly again. Well, she's back. So stay in touch with her by going to adapiaderico.com and we'll have all of her information in the show notes at the pbtinstitute.com forward slash podcast. Here's my biggest takeaway betraying ourselves is just as bad as getting betrayed by others it's so important to stay true to who we are and we don't help anyone when we ignore our needs and betray our hearts of course when we do we'll need to find a way out of it which ada Pia did through meditation energy work psych k visualization and story Find what's right for you. And if we can help, meet us in the PBT community where we have everything you'd ever need to become your physical, mental, emotional best. Community, support, certified coaches and practitioners you could schedule time with. Daily classes on all kinds of interesting topics. Curated experts teaching advanced strategies in the areas of health and mindset, spirituality, personal development. Imagine the most friendly, welcoming and supportive place to become your best and it's all online. Nothing like this exists, and I am so excited to welcome you. Just go to the pbtinstitute.com forward slash join to learn more. Thanks for listening. Can't wait to be with you next time, and here's to your breakthrough.